Hi there, welcome to this special SciDevNet podcast series on water conflicts and water cooperation. I'm Fiona Broom, the podcast and features editor at SciDevNet. Over the next six weeks, we'll chat with journalists who have reported from the most water-stressed parts of the world and from environment and diplomacy specialists. We'll be discussing a new expert guide just released by the IHE Delft Institute for Water Education called Water Conflicts and Cooperation, a media handbook. Water is a complex topic. It's something that touches every part of our lives every single day. Water bridges science, politics and culture, as well as economics and, of course, the environment. Reporting water is not an easy job. Journalists need to build an understanding of all of these issues, along with another concept, water diplomacy. While this has come to be a popular term among journalists and policymakers in the past few years, it is far from a straightforward term. The new book, Water Conflicts and Cooperation, a Media Handbook, has been developed to provide a background on water diplomacy. It aims to help journalists and policymakers understand the ways that media, science and politics interact and how this nexus impacts water diplomacy. The authors show how water diplomacy intersects with gender inclusiveness and they shed light on the inspiring experiences of water diplomats and journalists around the world, including in the Nile and Indus basins. The book also analyzes how journalists represent scientists and how reporters use scientists' quotes in stories, and it reflects on the different ideas surrounding the role of science in public debate. And there are loads of practical tips and tricks on water reporting to help build the capacity of researchers to communicate science to journalists. This special podcast series will break down these themes. Over three episodes, we will take a deeper look at the research, training, and communication aspects of the handbook. This week, research. Today I'm joined by the handbook editor, Rasha Duadar. Rasha is a freelance science and gender journalist based in Egypt. We also have Emanuele Fantini with us. He's a senior lecturer and researcher at IHE Delft in the Netherlands. And we have Natasha Nair, who is a policy and management specialist in Chicago. And I'm in London and we're chatting today via video conference. Welcome everyone and thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Rasha, Emanuela, and Natasha, you all contributed chapters to the book. Rasha, you were, of course, the editor and you wrote the chapter, Water Reporting, Let Your Story Flow. Emanuela, you wrote chapter four, The Minister, the Prophet, and God's Eye, Scientists' Voices in Nile Media Reporting. And Natasha, you co-authored chapter two with Alan Nichol, who is the director of the International Water Management Institute. And your chapter asks, how can the media play an active role in raising our collective understanding of complex environmental topics in a politically charged basin? Between the three of you, you've got years of experience in research. Uh, But just before we jump into our discussion about the aspects of the handbook that relate to research, Rasha, could you tell us just a little bit more about the book? Uh, well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about the handbook. I believe it will be a valuable resource for science writers and communicators from different backgrounds. 
Well, water is a complex issue to cover, especially with increased number of media platforms and endless amount of information coming in every day. Fundamentally, water reporting needs a journalist who has sufficient knowledge and expertise to talk about uh, water issues, especially when it intersects with the gender, diplomacy or um, other relevant issues. This handbook has been an endeavor to gather the expertise of people from different disciplines, genders, and backgrounds who all work in the field of water diplomacy and reporting. Fundamentally aims at providing more understanding for journalists working in the field of water issues so they can um, report better for water issues. The the, the book of a diverse resource that have three um, themes or three modules. One is about water diplomacy, the other about uh, water communication, and the last is about training journalists on water issues. It was very important to link the three uh, disciplines or the three themes to each other. And it's also aimed at researchers and water diplomacy personnel onto the importance of communicating with journalists and writers in order to inform better knowledge and expertise to the audience. So speaking about those three themes, we're discussing research today. And so did you go into this book project with the idea of producing something that could serve as a research tool or was the idea that you wanted to highlight how important research is for journalists and those in the water diplomacy field? On one end, it highlights the academic insights and encourage journalists and science communicators to rely more on research as a fundamental resource and also uh, seek correct information versus rumors and fake news. As we all we all know that this is very important nowadays. It also features descriptions and reflections of activities implemented in the Nile Basin. Uh, the book is more to encourage. Uh, Research as a mindset and as a, as a verb, like to research the subject thoroughly before writing about it, like getting to know different opinions and to distinguish between what can be an opinion and what can be a fact. This is very important because some journalists got like, they are quickly um, rushing to uh, submit their work uh, to be published. So uh, in this rush, sometimes you, you cannot sit and just digest the information you are putting. You don't have enough time to talk with experts or read more papers on the subject. So we we are encouraging journalists and science communicators to get more evidence-based information and uh, reporting, just exposing opinions, taking into consideration how uh, something like water issues intersects with politics and, and gender and environment and how it is directed or guided to a certain direction and, and how they can always balance the views, like presenting different views, and also by getting different target audience. Like many times people would talk about water from only one perspective. Sometimes um, journalists just ignore fundamental uh, people who are impacted by water issues like like uh, environmental science, like anyone. So how to, to be comprehensive in your coverage and research different aspects for your story. This is very important. Eventually, if you, if you find the story is, it doesn't worth even the coverage, you can just stop and, and don't cover the story from the beginning. The whole thing of getting more concrete information into your uh, coverage is very important. And this is what we seek journalists and encourage them to do. Yeah. Emanuele, uh, how does research feature in this landscape for you? You begin your chapter in the book by pointing out that the coronavirus pandemic has put science and facts and research at the heart of news coverage. 
Uh, yes, thank you for the question. We we did a very specific research. In our research, we looked at narratives on the Nile River and on the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam that are promoted in mainstream media in Egypt, Sudan, Ethiopia and Uganda. And we also looked at the global media like Al Jazeera and The Guardian. Ours is a multidisciplinary and multinational team of researchers from Ethiopia, Egypt, Sudan and, and Italy. And in our research, we also look at how scientific or technical facts are, are presented and are used to build such narratives on the Nile and on the Nile River. And this turned out to be also an interesting opportunity for us to, to reflect on ourselves ourselves as a scientist and researchers who are sometimes invited to, to contribute to those debates who, who are also actively contributing to the narratives. How do we see our role in this and how do journalists perceive us? For instance, I, in, especially in the past month, I got several requests by journalists asking if I could comment on ongoing negotiations between Ethiopia, Egypt and Sudan. And I'm thinking in particular of a journalist who asked me if I could bring a bird's high contextual position. I'm using her words, a bird's high contextual position. So in the handbook chapter, I call this idea of the scientist as God's eye, someone looking from above from an independent and unbiased perspective, also to bring or to suggest solutions to the parties down there on the field. But this is only one way eh, of portraying or using or presenting the voice of a scientist. In the same request by the same journalist, the, uh, she was also specifying, for instance, that in the panel debate, there would have been another expert representing Egypt, and a third expert representing Ethiopia. And this is what I call in the, in the chapter of the handbook, the scientist as the minister, eh? the, the minister who preaches the catechism of the, of the national interest. And this way of framing and presenting the scientist reinforced one main idea, which is the national perspective idea. The national perspective as the most important one to understand and address transboundary water issues. So here the national background of the scientist become even more important than his or her disciplinary background. And this is something that I find highly problematic. And then there is also a third figure, which is the prophet, the scientist pointing at problems like the future impacts of climate change or urbanizations or demographic growth, problems that contemporary politics, ongoing debates seem to overlook. So to sum up, our research on how scientists' voices are framed in Nile media debates open up a much bigger issue, which is our idea or which is journalist idea about the role that science should play in water conflict and cooperation. And I think that to this question, there's not only one right answer. Eh? All the different figures can be useful and are legitimate, 
But I think we should be explicit and also aware of the position we take as researcher. So our, do we see ourselves as the minister, the prophet or the eye of God? Uh, and Natasha, your book chapter talks about uh, a media dialogue initiative that you worked on relating to the Indus Basin. And you say that a big part of that was forming partnerships with science organizations to highlight the latest research on the Indus. Sure. So we recognize that learning about a technical subject like water and other broader environmental issues requires training and support. So we undertook a series of initiatives to help media representatives understand the science behind underlying trends and structural changes taking place in the Indus Basin. So the Indus Media Initiative was housed under a larger program called Informing Change in the Indus Basin, which was a different funded project under the South Asia Water Governance Program. We partnered with a wide range of scientific and policy organizations over a period of two years to expose journalists to key research and explore complex interactions around climate change and water and in the process build trust between journalists and experts. So we organized a series of regional and national media dialogues where journalists could interact both formally and informally with experts and learn about the latest research and ask critical questions. The experts were in turn encouraged to simplify the messages using as little jargon as possible. And for example, um, we had scientists and researchers from University of Kashmir, Mode, Chinese Academy of Science, share latest research on climate change and its impact on glaciers and water flow. We had researchers from EMI, um, FAO, Ministry of Energy in Afghanistan, sharing latest research about food security, socioeconomic changes, and impact of policy on water demand. So to ensure that interactions continue beyond the events, we also used social media channels and created groups on WhatsApp, Facebook, and WeChat. And these groups were really useful um, in exchanging information quickly between journalists and experts, given the short news cycle time. And these interactions are really important in a region like Indus Basin, where the river is shared between China, Afghanistan, India, and Pakistan. Four countries, you know, with very complex geopolitical histories. Uh, you know, and, and the Indus Basin is facing channel challenges like growing population, rapid urbanization, and increasing competition for water between sectors. Um, so the news coverage of issues becomes all the more important as the media are a key channel through which to raise you know, general awareness, to inform public debate, and to assist in the process of decision-making uh, in an era of climate change and you know, other pressures exerted on the river system. Mm. Emanuele, what would be your advice to journalists in the Nile Basin as well as other river basins around the world who might be wanting to starting to report on some of these really complex issues surrounding water? What would your top tip be to a journalist just starting out in this field? From our research, one important thing that we learn is that technical facts, scientific information in Nile debates, but I think this is this also applied to other river basin, are highly political. And I think that journalists should be aware of that, especially when they approach scientists or experts for interviews. I think this is also part of trust building that Dasha was, was referring to. And I think that journalists themselves should 
also reflect on their ideas and perception of science. Do they see science as something independent and outside the society, something that can bring a solution? Or do they see science as part of the problem, as it could uh, also be, I believe? And maybe another question is, which science? I think there's not such a thing as the science, as there is not such a thing as the media. There are many disciplines, there are many approaches, and I think it would be good if journalists could reflect such plurality, such variety and debates. Because indeed, most of the time, scientists do not agree, or studies and research can be contradicting. And I think this is also the exciting part of the story. And I, I think for a journalist, having some conflict, some spies, it's uh, indeed uh, also, uh, also important. So, and perhaps a final point that I would like to, um, to add. Um, so I would encourage journalists uh, not only to reflect not only on science, but also on expertise and, and knowledge. Because uh, usually, if we want an opinion by an expert, we ask to a scientist or to a researcher or to someone working, for instance, in a think tank. But one of the most inspiring things that I've learned in this project on Nine Media is that uh, singers, poets, artists, or farmers uh, can be considered and should be considered experts as well. So I think it's not only about plurality of science, but it's also about pluralizing knowledge, uh, pluralizing knowledge to promote new narratives. And hopefully through these new narratives, you can inspire people and you can contribute to, to transform the, the conflict. And indeed, I believe that the media could play and should play a key role in that. And Natasha, what would your advice be to journalists who are new to navigating these complex scientific and political and cultural issues? So I would give three advice. Um, the first one would be to build relationships and trust with scientists and researchers so scientific organizations are a great source of, you know, current information and latest research and can help uh, journalists in unpacking more perspectives and it can help them in understanding those interconnected issues when reporting on a topic. In fact, during our program, we found that the scientists and researchers were themselves very eager to share their work with the media, but were a bit afraid of being misinterpreted. And that's where the trust and relationship building becomes more important. The second uh, advice that I would give is to look out for fellowship opportunities. We know that journalists are constrained by resources. So these fellowships, you know, it could be by scientific organizations or media agencies, are a great way to find funding as well as they provide a chance to leverage the network of a scientific organization. And the third advice I would give is, you know, when reporting on water and climate change, it's important to look beyond the country and to look at the larger basin as a whole. So it would be great if media could collaborate across different countries. And for example, um, in the Indus Media Initiative, um, the fellowship call that we did, uh, we encouraged journalists to talk to each other and collaborate and come up with media pieces which looked at 
you know the whole picture as um, uh, you know from a larger perspective and look at you know how you know common things like climate change is impacting all the countries Rasha you work across the Nile basin as a journalist um is your experience reflected in in some of what Natasha was just saying there I would say uh working as a water journalist in um in my context in Egypt at large in the MENA region or uh, in the in developing world it's a real challenge you need to get the information uh, to the people in their native language so this means you'll translate all the papers and uh, the resources but on the other hand you have uh, many opportunities because you uh, among like very few people who are uh, trying to do this job when i started working as a science journalist like 14 years ago or so it it was very uncommon to have uh, someone who is working as a science journalist uh, or only focusing on science or even reporting science in depth but thanks to a group of journalists who persisted and uh, sustained the uh, different challenges to work as science and exposing science first we were writing in english and then uh, bit by bit uh, now we have uh, different sections um, uh, science sex- sections in different newspapers i mean arabic ones and websites uh, we have increased audience and a bit by bit we are um, uh, getting more um, visible it's very important be passionate about what uh, you are doing as a journalist uh, in educating the public you are educating the public contributing to a better um, understanding of several issues my advice to journalists would be um, just make the audience engaged talk about what touched their daily life like introduce uh, solutions and success stories you have an opportunity an excellent opportunity you have multimedia you have infographics you can expose information in different simple and very interesting way so uh, although science is very tough and uh, you have a very complicated job of simplifying a very complex content however with introducing different like tools to help presenting your ideas i think this will uh, help more popularizing science and um, also for science communicators it's getting more uh, interest we have in universities now more and more like science communication sections and departments and people are increasingly adhered and attached and engaged to the science as a field so i'm um, uh, optimistic and uh, i hope the book would inspire more journalists to work on water issues because we need this kind of specialized work it's very important to understand and when you are specialized you have your own um, a network of experts and uh, resources and uh, this kind of expertise that uh, you can work on and even teach others thank you that's our episode for today thanks for listening my guests today were Rasha Duwadar a freelance science and gender journalist based in Egypt and Rasha is the editor of the Water Conflicts and Cooperation Media Handbook which we have been discussing I was also joined by Emanuele Fantini, a senior lecturer and researcher at IHG Delft in the Netherlands, and Natasha Nayer joined us from Chicago where she works as a policy and management specialist. This week we discussed research relating to the role of the media in water diplomacy. In about a month we'll be back to talk about communication, but don't forget to join us again in 2 weeks when we'll be talking about training. We'll also be holding a live online debate on the 1st of March where we'll bring together the water diplomacy community including journalists, researchers, peace and security specialists and diplomacy experts. 
The debate will be hosted by myself and Saidev Net, the world's leading source of reliable and authoritative news, views and analysis about science and technology for global development. If there's an issue or a question that you would like discussed during the debate, send us an email at news at scidev.net. That's news at scidev.net. I'm Fiona Broom. See you again for our next episode on the 8th of February. This podcast was produced by SciDevNet with support from the IHE Delft Institute for Water Education.